Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com. Here with a name you know. You can catch him on Ring of Honor, not just in the ring, but in the commentary booth. We got one of the best color commentators out there right now. Caprice Coleman, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you brought me on. I'm glad to be able to speak on your show, man. I'm doing great. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. I've, I've enjoyed your work for a very long time, uh, from, from the in-ring stuff to, to CNC to the pulpit, which is something that I miss a whole lot. I really want to talk about that. Those were some of the most entertaining like talk show segments that I had ever seen, especially the one with Jay Lethal. Like that one. I love it. Oh, that one, that one made me want to jump through the screen. Like I was <laughs> like, you were so good at just getting under his skin there. What do you remember about how those came together? Because, like I said, they were different than a lot of the traditional talk shows we see in wrestling. Yeah. Um, the idea was uh, I wanted to – it was a time in Ring of Honor where I said there are a lot of people here that people are looking at them as just wrestlers. you know. And I said if we had a talk show to where I could bring out the character of some of these people, then maybe – fans can kind of gravitate more to their character than just their wrestling ability or or you just have a roster full of wrestlers that kind of kind of blend into each other and so i really wanted to pull out characters what made them tick what made them you know different than other people and all and um i, I was a huge fan of piper's pit yeah. uh and so i watched i've probably watched all of those episodes like two or three times <laughs> And um, just kind of put my own spin on things and uh, just let the ideas flow as they came. Oh, man, those were so good. Like, and, and they would range. It'd be like you doing therapy with the guy we now know as Damian Priest or uh, like you getting under Kenny King's skin in order to get a title shot from him. Or yeah. like the, the Jay Lethal one to me was the best because you are you were like, hey, I just printed off your Wikipedia page and I'm I'm going to read directly from that. And you would go through and you're like, Sting, Flair, who cares about that? You dated right. AJ Lee. Like, it was such a, a unique, different way as opposed to just set it up in the ring, we'll do it there. 
so I I assume you guys were like in on like a production thing and you're in front of a green screen, right? Right, uh, kind of like our own setup, and that's kind of the only thing that messed up the uh, the pulpit was that we had a production day before TV tapings and all, and then uh, things changed up and we lost the production day due to travel, and it became our travel day, so we lost the production day. So some of the things we were able to do on production day, we weren't able to do anymore. Uh, so yeah, so that that was done like in a separate place um, the day before the show type thing. So would you film like a ton of those like back to back or in one day because of that production day? It depends. Uh, sometimes you do two or three of them. Sometimes we do one. It depends on what, what we had going on. And uh, I mentioned CNC. I mean, that was to me, that was one of my favorite eras of tag team wrestling period was the ROH tag team division in the early 2010s. Like I, to me, like it's, it's right up there with any of them. Cause at any given time, you'd have the Briscoes, you'd have the world's greatest tag team, you'd have Red Dragon, you'd have CNC. Yeah. There, there were yeah. so many different styles, A and X as well. Yeah, like when we had were, uh, Future Shock was Adam Cole and, and Kyle O'Reilly. Young Bucks we were had, popping up there. Yeah, the, the Young Bucks we had Eddie Edwards and, and uh, David Richards. We had, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a, the the, mid, uh, the All Night Express. We had, uh, it, it was yeah, it was a it was a stacked tag team division. That that's what made me take a look at tag team wrestling again and be like, oh, this is what I love. This is what I loved in the early two thousands, the early nineties. Like, did you all know that that was something special, like that division? Because it's it's hard to intentionally even craft one that loaded with talent. No, I think I guess you have to look at from from my view. Um, I had just got a job, yeah, and, and so in my eyes. You know, we were kind of thrown into the deep end, uh, you know, a, a new tag team on the scene against these great people. And and so watching TV, I knew it was the greatest tag team division going on right now. And, and my thing was, man, how do we even fit in this ball game? you know? Yeah. And, and so it, it was outside looking in, you, I guess you're always the one that's like, man, everybody's great uh, type thing. You look at yourself, you're like, well, how great are we? You know, but, but people put us right along with that uh, tandem of all the tag teams that were great at that time. And it's an honor to be a part of that. I mean, Scum was there, and we didn't even mention, like, Chris Hero and Cesaro at yeah. the time. Like, there, yeah. it was, yeah. and looking back, it aged Kings even better. Kings of Wrestling, right? Like, even, like, then you knew it was good, but looking, like, eight, nine years later, it's aged even better, and it's it's not not always the case when when that happens, but... Uh, man, that, that division really, really added a lot of excitement uh, for me. You've been in the ring a lot more lately than you were the last couple of years. Why was there the, I don't want to say the big break because you were still wrestling here and there. Like you wrestled Bully Ray. I know you did some uh, MCW Ring of Honor stuff as well. But you, you had scaled back your, your in-ring for quite a while. Yeah, I, um, they signed me to an exclusive contract uh ring of honor and the exclusive contract uh at the time uh was first for wrestling and then uh i guess a year in i was doing commentary a lot and uh commentary got moved around um what's his name colt cabana uh went on and so right and so i, I was offered the the lead color uh position and i took it 
you know, and I was under an exclusive contract. So that kind of uh, kept me from wrestling anywhere else. And I was just doing commentary. And so uh, I didn't wrestle for a while and I couldn't wrestle anywhere else. And then we were in a meeting one time and I was part of creative and it was like, oh, Caprice, we could put you in this match here. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. But just know it's been four years since I've been inside of ring, you know, because you made me exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well, oh, OK, you know. And so after that, they say, you know, I can kind of get back on the Indies to kind of, you know, keep the dust off the cape, you know. And, uh, and so I, I jumped back in, um, you know, head first, man. I, I love it. And I've always loved it. And then they kept me on commentary. And I, I still love commentary with, with a passion. I thank God for that transition that a lot of people don't even get, you know, and so to have that transition in place is phenomenal, but, you know, uh, I, I always love the ring as well. And so to be able to, to do both, I feel uh, to be that versatile and to be able to do both at a high level, uh, it's a gift. As we film this, you're, you're facing off with beer city bruiser, a guy who I've talked to several times, such a, such a unique character and person and in ring performer, so, I mean, Ring of Honor, even even as things stand, provide you an opportunity to wrestle a, a variety of different people. What's it like, been like for you getting back in the ring specifically for them? Um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I look at my position now, and and some people say, oh, you're just a commentator now. And I was like, well, I never retired. You know, there's no retiring from pro wrestling, <laughs> you know. So I just I just moved, I transitioned to a place because I was offered a job. And and my thing is I'm like, well, you look at me and you say, Well, I'm just a commentator, but I feel that I'm a king sitting on a throne, literally paid to scout my competition. Yeah. So and so with me calling these matches and with me looking at uh all the competition there, not only am I able to accentuate them in a way that makes them important and the reason why they're there, but I'm also able to dissect them while doing that. And so I think that gives me an advantage uh, from from outside in because I already know who I'm facing. I know their movesets. I know what they're capable of. I know their strengths and I know their weaknesses as well. So I know during the pandemic, obviously, everybody's booking slowed down, but uh, it didn't seem like you wrestled a ton during them. Was that a concentrated thing or was it just like was that like for, for personal safety or were you just like, eh, maybe I should just hold off for a little while? I, I was never in a rush. Uh wrestling to me was was when i came back was really to stay in ring shape mm -hmm. but when the pandemic happened you know the, the, to me COVID was real you know i had family members that died i had friends that died i had a lot of friends that died i, I know over 30 people personally that had COVID, and i know seven to eight people that died from it you know so it, it was something very real for me and i took it serious so I was in no rush to be in front of a crowd uh, just to, you know, uh, for an ego. When I had a training school that I train at every Wednesday that I can do matches there. And my students, we, you know, wore masks and we made sure we were vaccinated. and Whatever whatever your thing was to make you feel comfortable th during the pandemic. You know, my thing was getting vaccinated and wearing a mask. And some people uh, were different things. But my thing is whatever makes you comfortable during this, understanding how real it is, then let's do it. And so, uh, so I, I wasn't exact active in crowds or whatever. And even Ring of Honor um, kind of helped me with that, seeing how serious they were taking the pandemic. And so I'm like, if this, you know, billion dollar company is is being that serious with it, why can't I be more serious with it? 
as I look back uh, through your history, there's there's a specific promotion I've always been so intrigued by, and it's the I think I can't I don't know if it's pronounced Qatar or Cutter. I've heard it pronounced both ways, but you've done like several spots over there, like three or four. And I've I've yeah. always heard that they treat people really well when they bring you in and all that stuff. Uh, please explain to me how that experience has been and and how it came about. Uh, well, I lived in Kuwait for three years, uh, from 2006 to 2009, I was a military contractor, um, worked on the military base there, worked in the ministry there. And, um, while I was there, I was trying to get pro wrestling started in Kuwait and, uh, I wasn't the first one and WWE had been there in the early nineties and something Ben Bader did with, uh, one of the hosts there. He like slapped the host or did something, and they literally banned pro wrestling in Kuwait. He was and detained so, there for a while. Yeah, and so I uh, was one trying to lift the ban of pro wrestling in Kuwait by myself, just you know, just an American citizen. I didn't have a lot of pull. Yeah. However, the time that I got there, somebody else was trying to do the same thing that had way more pull than I did. And so they connected us together and the guy, uh, it's funny because at the time, Kuwaiti TV and American TV was like six months behind each other. So six months prior to me being in Kuwait, I was doing a lot of stuff with WWE. And so when I came to Kuwait, uh, six months later, my stuff is showing that I did on WWE, you know? And so I'm going places and they're like, Hey, we know you WWE or whatever. It's extra stuff that I did. And so the guy immediately knew who I was. And, um, he just started booking me on the shows that they did in Kuwait. And it was like a tour, um, that they would bring in, you know, older WWE guys, uh, and some other guys from different countries and all. And, uh, I was just part of that show and the response I got from those shows and my work rate, he said, Hey, anytime we have a show, you'll be part of it. And they morphed off into the, you know, Qatar pro wrestling thing. And, I've been a part of it ever since. And so even with me going home, uh, because my first tour there, I said, well, this is probably going to be my last tour because, you know, in a few months I'm going back to America. Yeah. And they was like, well, it doesn't matter. So if we do a show, you'll be a part of it. And awesome. they've been continuing to bring me back since then. That's awesome. And you mentioned your WWE yeah. stuff. I remember that wasn't where I first saw you, but I did see you. And I saw you so often that I assumed you were just a full-time part of the roster because they were in the Carolinas so much between 05 and 06 that I remember you'd be on heat, you'd be on velocity, and it'd be like every two or three months. So I was like, oh, this guy's got to be signed because I remember remember specifically a match with Noble, one with Masters. You did a lot of those. Is there anything specifically you remember about going in and doing those matches? Any feedback, any memorable moments of those? Uh, I all of them were memorable. And the thing about that was like at that time, um, I just always felt like I was on the edge of getting signed, you know, like I was going to get a contract and, and they treated me. So they were very nice to me. Uh, I didn't have any bad run-ins with anybody. 
uh, or whatever. And I would talk to them and different people would like, you know, say, hey, you know. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Something might happen to the job and talk to so-and-so. And I would just come there and just do my best, you know. And it got to a point to where uh, people were requesting to, to work with me uh, and all. And so they said that's a good thing. And then uh, I, I guess the... The, the thing that would always happen is the person that was interested in hiring me would get fired. <laughs> and so I would come in and it would be a new person in charge and it'd be like starting over, starting over, starting over um, like each time. And so uh, that, that's just kind of what happened there. But every time I was there, I enjoyed myself. And um, it was kind of like, I, I was very hopeful, you know, that something would happen. Um, but it just didn't. And I mean, it is what it is. That's, that's a huge business. You know, and uh, I, people wish the cars played out different, but my life is what it is, you know? So, I mean, obviously they had an incredible amount of confidence in you to, to repeatedly put you in yeah. these positions. Um, these yeah. are, and that that had to feel good at least. Yeah, it was really good because um, I, I pretty much knew for sure anytime WWE was in Virginia, uh south carolina north carolina georgia uh any of the surrounding areas that i was gonna get a phone call and uh, that's, that's a great feeling and a couple of the people you ended up wrestling simon dean who is nova he would end up working in talent relations jamie noble right. is has been one of right. their longtime producers so i mean people that had wrestled you knew that you were good and eventually were in positions of influence that couldn't have hurt either Right, and that and that's that's like what I was saying. They would help me yeah. uh, until they got you know to I guess a certain point, and then something would happen with them, and then they would get switched around, and this would get switched around. And so uh, I don't know. It's the, it's the nature of the beast, you know. People get moved around, and um, you're kind of starting all over again each time. Um, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Now, I'll never forget the first time I saw you because I used to watch every bit of wrestling I could get my hands on. And it was a TNA explosion match. And it was you and Roddy Strong against CM Punk and Julio De Niro. I'm, I'm yes. made of questions about this because that era is so fascinating to me. Punk in TNA is fascinating to me. You and Roddy there that early is fascinating to me. Because like I think a lot of people don't even realize that you and Roderick Strong were wrestling back then in, in a lot of ways. Please explain to me how that came about and, and the match itself. Uh, I started wrestling in 97. Um, and I started in North Carolina. I was trained by Matt and Jeff. 
And they had, by that time, got signed with WWE. And I was with a company uh, mostly uh, in Georgia called NWA Wildside. Yes. NWA Wildside, uh, TNA came around. It was total nonstop action. They were kind of brand new on the scene. It was something that, you know, Jeff Jarrett had in mind and somebody else. And it was trying to, you know, find a way to make the NWA big again type thing. And so at the time, uh, nobody really knew what was going to happen. It was just a new thing on the scene, you know? And so uh, we're in Tennessee and, and I got booked for them and it was a tag team match. And it was actually the first time I met Roger Strong um, was there in that building. And uh, and they they said we would be tagging. It was like, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I remember the conversation I had with Roddy. He, he like introduced himself to me, and I said, well, what do you do? He said, oh, you know, I'm I'm the Messiah of the backbreaker. I have all these backbreakers. I was like, oh, cool, whatever. Yeah. And I said, up. Uh, he asked me what I do, and I told him I'm real innovative. He said, okay, energetic. He said, well, whatever you do, I match it. I said, all right, cool. And so that was just like, okay, cool, you know. And so. Uh, we knew who we were going to wrestle, but they had, they were doing multiple TV tapings on the same day. Yeah. And so uh, CM Punk and Julio had like two huge matches, like one huge match that day, like, like a main event for the show, or whatever that they were like trying to get ready for. And it was like taking a really long time to get ready for it. And then like, you know, 10, 15 minutes before our match is like, all right, guys, here we go <laughs> you know so it was kind of like really fast like all right all right guys y'all up you know type thing and uh then we had our match you know and so that's how that came about and it's kind of a lost gym because every once in a while i get to pull it up uh and see it and um look at it now and i look at who's who's who now yeah. and uh to be a part of it i thought it was really cool and it's funny because, like, as a teenager, as I'm watching that, I assume Caprice Coleman and Roderick Strong are a regular tag team, not realizing you all just met each other. And then, like, 12, 13 years later, I'm seeing you face, like, the decade on, on like, on TV or, or Roderick Strong on TV. Like, I, I see these matches promoted for, like, these toured shows, and I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool to see. So I just, it's wild to see how things go, much like we talked about the tag team division from the early 2010s, uh, where everybody is now. It's it's pretty wild. If, if you look at pro wrestling now, um, if you just think of Ring of Honor and you look at who's who in pro wrestling on all the big shows, they came from Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it, it just is what it is. And people are like, oh, you know, you ever think about going to the big leagues? To me, Ring of Honor has always been the big leagues. Ring of Honor has been the foundation of wrestling you know, to where people go and they came from, if they come from Ring of Honor and go to TV, nine times out of 10, they go straight to TV. Yeah. There's no like, there's no holding stage for them, you know? And, um, and, and that's a testament in itself. Well, as, as we film this now, there are definitely some question marks around Ring of Honor. I mean, some elements are still operating. PR set up this interview. So, I mean, like that's still yeah. running smoothly. Yeah. You all are still doing interviews. You're still doing the tapings. I did hear very emotional tapings, obviously, uh, as as you head into final battle. What's sort of your reaction, or, or maybe I, I, it's it's hard to put into words. I'm sure, like what we've learned and like what the future may or may not hold for Ring of Honor. It's real, man. It's life. Uh, I look at Ring of Honor and and I love them, 
Uh, Ring of Honor has never lied to me. They've never made me feel any kind of way. They've never led me uh, astray on anything they've told me. And and during the pandemic, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we had our, you know, weekly Zoom call that we would get. And they assured us that they were going to take care of everybody through a pandemic, not to worry about anything. Heard they treated and, people exceptionally well during the pandemic. Yeah, they, they held on to our, con- they honored our contracts and everything. And so for like six months, we didn't do anything, you know, and we still got, you know, paid and we still got taken care of. And we did PR stuff like I'm doing with you, um, interviews and different stuff like that. Uh, and then when they started back wrestling, they it was we were part of the bubble. And we couldn't roommates anymore, and we had all these tests to do. We had to be flown in for this day, the test day. We would take, like we would take a COVID test before we got there to make sure we didn't have COVID. We would, we would take uh, a COVID test when we landed, and we would take a COVID test before we left. Like it had to be expensive, yes. you know. And so uh, all, all this was happening, and I thought the peer the peer division was starting up, which was a great thing, and. um we just felt things were looking good, but you know, if you look at it, you're like, man, you know, how's all this being paid for? Yeah. You know, you just don't know. But like, you know, you think about Sinclair, you think, oh, they're a billion dollar corporation. They'll be just fine. And so you just never saw it happening. I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, it, it hit a lot of people hard, you know, it's uncertainty, but I don't blame ring of honor. Um, I feel like if they had to do it all over again, they might've done something different or they might've done the exact same thing. But what they have always been is is straight up and honest, you know? So when they told us, they told us before it hit, you know, the airways and all, and people think like, Oh, that's the rest in peace ring of honor. But they just said that they're going on hiatus for a season, you know, and they're starting back up in April. And we don't know what that startup means, what version of ring of honor it'll be. I'm hopeful that it'd be a better version. Uh, of Ring of Honor, re- rediscovered, redesigned, um, hopefully with new listings or or, or bigger channel uh, or whatever, because Sinclair has bought some 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 big networks, yeah, you know, and so there's there's some great opportunity there, but we don't know, and that the uncertainty uh, it, it is what everybody is kind of um, uh, taken back about, you know, but you can really see who your real fans are doing this time, and it's it's amazing to me. Um, the fans that have stuck with us this long and continue to stick with us. And then you see those little ones that, that are like, oh, you know, it's over, it's that, and it's this. And you want to ask them, like, did you ever really watch the product at all? Did you ever, were you ever really into it? Or are you just somebody that heard some news and just wants to spread bad news, you know? Because uh, Ring of Honor has been a company that for a long time has just really been prestige on their word and prestige on what they deliver. And so to me, whatever happens is going to happen and it's going to be their best effort. And so all I can continue to do during this time is do my best effort at whatever I do. And I I know that Joe Coff had said, yeah, maybe he would have done things a little bit differently with now a lot of the people that had to do with all in and all elite wrestling because ROH helped birth that obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, when I look back at the last two years, it took him about a year, it seems, to really realize, let's make some big changes. And I always heard about that that meeting that they flew everybody in for, and they took a ton of input from the wrestlers, and they implemented it. Right after that, they were switching up the booking, and nobody could have possibly expected the stuff with Marty to happen the way that it was. But that was that was a step in them saying, we need to change. Then during the yeah. pandemic, they took care of, all the wrestlers paid people who yeah. were on paid per appearance stuff that they didn't even yeah. have to pay. Yeah. Then 
they changed their production in the middle of the pandemic and made it slicker and smoother. And then I haven't even dropped this story yet, but I'm about to like right before this interview goes out, they had a meeting with GCW in the weeks prior where they're like, Hey, let's exchange some talent. This is hot. Let's, let's, let's make our show hotter. So you would constantly see them going, let's change this. Let's change this. Let's make this better. So, I mean, it, it is a bit of a gut punch as like a viewer, as a fan, because I saw their efforts to make yeah. things better and not yeah. and not at the expense of your health, because right. EC3 was playing for a huge match with Jay Briscoe. He got COVID. They said, stay home. Don't bother. And, and that, that's my thing with Ring of Honor. Even when you talk about the, the Marty thing, they've always stuck to their guns and they've always did what they felt was right. And they yeah. and they made sure that everybody knew that, you know, there weren't, they weren't, um, uh, what's the word I'm working? They weren't, you know, uh, untouchable, I guess is the only thing, you know, it's, it doesn't matter who you were. These are the rules. And if, if you don't apply, if you don't apply to the rules, then, then you're out, you know, and it didn't matter who you were or, or what you were, what position you held, you know, they had their rules and they were even like, um, people that had COVID that, you know, during TV tapings that not even the people that had COVID, but if you were around somebody that had COVID and I'm talking about title holders, like they would send them home just to keep everybody else safe. Um, they, they were very serious about it. Caprice Coleman. I want to thank you so much. Uh, you've given me uh, so much of your time and I, I really appreciate it. Uh, please tell the people where they can, where they can find you, where they can follow you, all that good stuff. Um, Caprice Coleman on Twitter, Caprice, Caprice Coleman on Instagram. Uh, I have a Caprice Coleman fan page on Facebook. Uh, I'm on TikTok, kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, uh, I'm still kind of learning. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I have a grasp on TikTok yet. Um, but like the, the other platforms are pretty easy to get in contact with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being candid. I know it's a, it's a, a wild time for you and all that stuff, but uh, guys, check him out. Caprice Coleman, thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate the interview, and I will say out of all the interviews I've done, you have had the most information prepared uh, than anybody else, so you've done a great job. Well, this is my first time getting to interview you. You're somebody who I've, I've watched for 15, 16 years, but I've never had the chance to interview you, so I'm like – when they mentioned your name, I was like, Oh my God, I've got like, I've got 10 years worth of stuff. And there's stuff I didn't even ask. Like I want to save some for another time as well, but uh, always a big fan of the pulpit, especially like that, that Jay lethal segment is one of my favorite in ROH history. So I was very happy to talk about that as well, but thank you very much guys. Thank you, man. Support Caprice Coleman until next time we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.